Common sense is not so common. And in an era where global uncertainty is rampant and government is out of control, this is the show making sense of all the madness. Broadcasting live from the Arizona desert, you can't dodge the Hodge. Here's your host, Dave Hodges. Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, and welcome back to the guest segment of the Common Sense Show. And you know we're the show that's freeing America, one enslaved mind at a time. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. This segment is brought to you by MPS, My Patriot Supply, uh, with Bill Gates taking over, <laughs> reportedly, so much of the American farmland. Are you nervous? I'm nervous. I just thought we had to worry about the jab in the arm. Now we need to worry about the hole in our belly. You better have storable food. That's the bottom line. MPS has a deal on four-week special, and if you accumulate multiple four-week specials, you get a discount each time you order, and this is the most inexpensive way to order quality, storable food. Restaurant quality, 2,000 calories per day, 25-year shelf life. Don't waste time on this. Go to preparewithdave.com. Get that great 25% savings that's coming your way. That's preparewithdave.com. And very quickly, too, if you have food, you better have water, water treatment, water filtration. The Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter is your ticket. They have research at waterwithdave.com that shows you how well they rank versus their competitors. And they're coming out number one, and they have a 40% off sale while supplies last. So go to preparewithdave.com for the food, waterwithdave.com for the water, and that takes care of of our sponsors for this segment we have a special guest hasn't been on for a while uh, and we wanted to time his appearance with the inauguration because we need to meet Joe Biden the the puppet Joe Biden the should I say the communist Chinese New World Order uh, Davos uh, put all the labels on him you want but he and Harris are going to be changing your lives or attempting to in ways that we can't even imagine and it all be along the lines of climate change and technocracy and who is better to talk about this no one better than pat wood and that's our guest pat wood is here to enlighten us as to these threats that it's just amazing to me no one's talking about this except for people like pat pat welcome to the show and i don't think this could be a more timely presentation hi dave and i fully agree with you uh people are still not by and large looking at technocracy very seriously but there are a number, I have to say, around the world that are starting to pay attention. And uh, maybe too little too late. I don't know. But we keep talking about it because it is the historical truth and it is historical fact. And we're staring it right in the face right now. This is the, the, the master coup de grace of these technocrats on a global basis. Yeah, it really is. It, 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 and like you said, people are not seeing it. I'm seeing it. Because if you're talking climate change, aren't you, in effect, talking about first cousin uh, called technocracy? Don't they have to go hand in hand with each other? Well, the, if, you, if, you kinda, if you examine how the whole thing came to us, the, the, um, the center bouquet of flowers on the table has been sustainable development. This has been promoted by the United Nations for decades now, and it originally originated way back with the global elite, as you know, starting in earnest with the Trilateral Commission in the early 70s. But the goal has always been 
to establish a resource-based economic system to throw out capitalism and free enterprise and install a system that the United Nations now calls sustainable development. Surrounding that, the question becomes, how do you get people to accept sustainable development and throw out free market economics that we've been raised with and we've known and it made America great, et cetera, et cetera? How do you get them from point A to point B? Well, this is where climate change came out. Climate change was the scaremongering, fear-producing, no dead bodies either, by the way, except for polar bears, but it was, the, it was the, the, the rhetoric that tried to scare the crud out of people so that they would accept sustainable development and give up free market economics altogether. <clears throat> this, this climate change uh, industry became replete with corrupted science, corrupted data, corrupted statisticians, you name it. It had every cockeyed theory and explanation and rhetoric that you could possibly imagine, including the dying off of all the polar bears. That broke everybody's heart. Oh, yes. Well, they're, they're, they're doing just fine. But they told everybody, that oh, they're all dying, and we have to do something to save the pretty cute little polar bears. So what's happened here is that all along the way with climate change and now with the pandemic, there is only one solution offered to this, only one. This ought to tell you something right there. And that solution is sustainable development. It's the sustainable development goals. It's 2030 agenda. It's the original agenda 21. It's basically warmed over technocracy from the 1930s. There has never been another alternative other than the sustainable development Climate change has been directly linked to sustainable development ever since it started, ever since day one. And now, I believe, they figured at some point in time, a couple years ago, that they were losing traction on the climate change angle when poor little Greta Thunberg stood up in front of the United Nations and said, you know, basically, curse all of you here. Your, your house is burning down, and you know that did, even that didn't produce anything. Everybody yawned, and the youth movement failed, too. That, everybody yawned at that and said, get back to school, you little brats. And uh, so they jumped ship, Dave, from climate change into the pandemic. The same people, the same universities, the same modus operandi. The same co crack computer models uh, that, that gave us all, we're going to have millions of people going to die. It's the same garbage from the same crowd of people. And the only solution is sustainable development. That's all, it always comes back to that, Dave. So now we see the name has been kind of remodified, a little marketing going on here. They now call it the Great Reset. They call it the Green New Deal. It's the same stuff. Just change the names, move on with it. But all of this climate change, all of this pandemic nonsense, it's just made up rhetoric mm -hmm. to push people, force people if they can, stampede people into sustainable development, which would change the entire economic system of the whole planet. 
Wow. You know, as they say, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, I, I remember you coming on previous shows and identifying the Green New Deal of Ocasio-Cortez, who did not have the intellectual capability to even come up with such a thing, as originating in the Roosevelt administration, and it was rejected for being too extreme. That's right. It was. And, uh, of course, capitalism did uh, recover, uh, thanks to the war, primarily. But Roosevelt rejected all calls to become dictator to establish technocracy by fiat, which we're lucky for that. I mean, <laughs> we're lucky he rejected technocracy outright in a sense, but then he brought a lot of technocrats into his administration and used them for his own political advantage. And this has kind of been typical, you know, the odd bedfellows that tech- technocrats have with politicians. But uh, Roosevelt rejected outright technocracy and said, no, you're going to get the New Deal instead, and we're still paying for that one, of course. Yeah, I, I hear you. It, it, I remember very clearly you telling us, uh, our audience, about the um, Roosevelt connection to this. You know, in, in one sense, to digress just for a moment, we were lucky in one sense to have Roosevelt, and people will shudder when I say that, but but if you think about it, it was parallel to Hitler, similar circumstances, and we could have gone down the Nazi path, we could have gone down the technocracy path, and he resisted both of those. So when people yes. say, I, I don't like what he did with socialism and didn't and wanted to redo the Supreme Court because the first New Deal was struck down, you know what, despite all that, we could have done a heck of a lot worse. And that underscores the fact that technocracy is measurably worse than socialism, communism, or Marxism. And a lot of people don't make that distinction, Pat, and I have to admit for a while until you corrected me, I didn't make that distinction either. I looked at it more as of a fascist, Marxist type of ideal in which all forces came under one head. But let me ask you this question, though. What's lingering out there for me, and I'm going to kind of broaden where you're at right now to get a global view, but Trump, when he killed the TPP, he absolutely killed, um, um, how do I put this? Trump killed the TPP, he killed corporatocracy technology. at least in the short term. And now you have the, the um, uh, Federal Reserve that owns over 33% of the nation's mortgages, and it's going to get worse when the rent and mortgage moratoriums are lifted here with the lockdowns. And so we'll be looking at an aristocracy. And um, I'm wondering how the um, technocracy blends into the corporatocracy and the aristocracy. Is, is there, are there linkages there? Is there an umbrella that encompasses all this? Yeah, so I, I think it's one of the same. <clears throat> oh. Sounds like we've got elevator music. We'll have to step out of the elevator to continue this interview. Um, <laughs> okay, I think it's gone now. Um, yeah, you think it's one and the same. That's. The, um, I, I think you're right. Are lost we, audio for a second there. Are we kind of just getting a universal um, dictatorship that incorporates all the isms? Um, well, it's going to be dictatorship by algorithm, uh, where, you know, where the, the AI and, you know, all of the surveillance data collection, et cetera, et cetera, is going to be used to completely micromanage every human on earth. That's their desire. Mm -hmm. Klaus Schwab has expanded that to also include humans themselves. Um, that is to create a, 
uh, in a sense, a new uh, operating system for the human body <laughs> that would move humanity into an, the era of transhumanism. And uh, that's maybe a topic we'll ta just touch on again, but uh, let me say that technocracy is to society what transhumanism is to the people who live in that society. And so they have a very well-rounded view at the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, et cetera, of how technology is going to transfer, going to transform not only society, but also the human condition as well. And uh, this is a very broad program globally. This is not local. This is not Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, left-wing, right-wing. This is a global platform that's taking place right now. The corporations are up to their eyeballs in it. Yes. Some of them are ideologues, like, like Elon Musk, for instance, is an ideologue of technocracy. But some of them are just in it for the money. They, they know that uh, the flipping of the econ economic system is going to uh, spring up a, an untold amount of wealth. To up, it's going to be up for grabs. And some have estimated it may be anywhere from 30 to $50 trillion to convert the world into this sustainable development model. Are these development costs you're citing? Well, they, you know, the, the conversion costs, like to rebuild everything, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what, okay, I agree. That's what AOC said. Well, we got to rebuild everything. we got to rebuild all the buildings in America. He says, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I know. And this is what people don't understand, that we've gone from um, effectively a free market economy under Trump, um, free of total corporate corporatocracy rule, largely not entirely but largely and and restored jobs and domestically and raised incomes and lowered unemployment rates until covid and people don't understand how severe the change is going to be pat can you give people just kind of a broad brush stroke of how the rank and file worker in this country who's already been devastated by covid yes how how this is going to come in and further impact them yes and yeah just to preface the devastated by covid the entire world has been shut down economically. It, capitalism is being killed right before our eyes. It's being suffocated. Uh, it's been put on life support, and nourishment has been withdrawn, right? They've taken out the feeding tubes. So yeah. capitalism is in dire straits right now, and the people of, of our nation are already feeling that with, uh, with tens of millions of people out of work. Some of, will never find work again because they're just those jobs just disappeared. Like if you're a restaurant worker, for instance, um, and you know 40 to 50 percent of all the restaurants have been wiped out in America, uh, it's going to be very difficult for you to get a job in the in, in that industry again because it's just not going to be there. And there's other industries that are going to be in the same boat. So it's going to require a complete retraining. Uh, if that's possible for, for some people, but some just won't be able to get retrained. Um, <clears throat> the economic devastation that's taken place in America is far beyond the science behind this lockdown mentality in America. And I think, personally, I think the science that they started with, that they tried to say was legitimate, we now know is completely gone. It's crackpot, pseudoscience. This is bad as global warming science that they tried to foist on us for, what, 20 years. And, uh, you know, scientist after scientist came out and said, this is just a bunch of nonsense. But that didn't stop the rhetoric from flowing, did it? So it's that we're in the same position with the pandemic right now. The science is gone, but the political agenda is laid bare, or let's say the technocratic agenda is laid bare. 
And these people that are controlling this are, it's not Washington, D.C., Dave. Washington, D.C. may think that they have some power to change everything, but they don't. They are completely dependent 100% on the big tech companies like the Amazons, like the, like the Googles, and like the Facebooks and Twitters. Without them, they're nothing. And you, you see the power is flowing out of big tech. They're the one, they have the money, they have the intent, they have the ideology, and they want to take over the world. It's just crime solved. <laughs> you know, it's just... It's you know, not, this, this reminds me, the way you just put that, this reminds me that uh, of the movie 1975, the original, um, oh gosh, what was it called? Uh, uh, Rollerball movie. Um, I don't know if you ever saw that. Oh yes, I did. But, but it was uh, six corporations ruling the world nation states had gone by the way and um, all of individual freedom was gone uh, self-expression was gone collective hive and it was it, this is really where we're headed with big tech uh, and and um, they decided the election in many ways more than one and and now they're deciding our futures um, and they're eliminating the voices of anyone who they think is contrary uh, this this is really advanced, and isn't it true that they dominate now the stock market, particularly companies like Amazon? Absolutely, yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. And interesting, uh, Jeff Bezos of Amazon was formerly the richest man on earth. <laughs> He's been eclipsed now. Uh, somebody else has taken that title, and that is none other than technocrat Elon Musk. <laughs> and. Musk is, of course, his grandfather was the head of technocracy in Canada during the 30s and 40s. You think he knows a little bit about technocrats and technocracy? I dare say he does. He is not a Marxist or a communist, but he is now the richest man of the world, nonetheless. That is stunning information. I did not know this. I didn't know e Elon Musk's father uh, held that position. That's interesting. And he masquerades as a free market guy. Uh, and he does at times. Of course, it's a little bit of a flip-flop because it's not unilateral. It's not uniformly, uh, uh, you know, it's not steady in his life. Sometimes he'll say something that kind of sounds libertarian-ish. Other times he'll say something that is kind of pre-market economics. And then other times he'll say something that's completely technocrat. And <clears throat> one of those things, by the way, is that he's in China now, big time in China, building gigafactories over there. And he's in love with the Chinese. He's, he, you know, glad-handing them and uh, hugging them and whatever. He thinks it's great. China is just a great place to be. And he disses America at the same time. He says, we're a bunch of imbeciles. You know, we're, we're lazy. We're backwards, this, that, and the other. And he says, China is the way to go. Uh, <laughs> you go say what? <laughs> this coming out of the same guy's mouth that says, I'm moving to Texas because I can't stand the high tech tax rate in California. Uh, yeah, something's really wrong with the picture. Elon Musk is a technocrat. He's not a communist. But the fact that he can deal with, with technocrats in China tells me, it's, there's one big tell here. That is, birds of a feather flock together. Technocrats in the United States do just fine with technocrats in China. There's a love affair going on. And, it's, and wherever a technocrat might be found, other technocrats will rally to them and they'll see the whole world as their oyster and they will have no problem cooperating and working together to get to that end. Amazing. Um, 
he 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 does he he does fool me to, to some degree, but but I have seen enough of the techno te te excuse me technocracy side of him. I want to go conspiratorial just for a moment here. Um, you know, I I believe that COVID and the lockdowns and most of the lockdown procedures have nothing to do with virus transmission and everything to do with economic destruction of the country. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's been deliberate. There's my uh, conspiratorial contribution for this interview. But I'm wondering in the overall scheme of technocracy, if this wasn't just a preliminary move, you know, out of uh, chaos comes order, let's tear down the old so everyone will accept the new. <laughs> well... We don't have to be conspiratorial about this day. This is all on the table now. Okay. And they're the ones that have said it. <laughs> Thanks for taking me off the hook there. Right? <laughs> I can take off my tinfoil hat, I guess. You can take off, forget it. <laughs> send, it to, send it to Klaus Schwab, okay? <laughs> Let him wear it. He's, he's the one that should. Listen, when you say, <clears throat> when you use the phrase, build back better, that's all over the global media right now. Or when you say great reset, okay, here's what's implied. When you own a home, let's say, I know you're kind of out in the in the country or on the, the, the fringe of the area and fire departments out there are probably spotty at times, um, getting, you know, putting out fires. Let's say <clears throat> your house burns down and you, for a few days, you mope and you know, whatever, you know, grieve the loss of your house. But then you wake up one day and you say, you know, that's life. My house is gone. I'm going to build back better. Now, what did I just say? Okay. You have to lose something. It has The building has to be burned to the ground before you can build back better. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. This is what they're saying. It's in the statement. It's in their very statement. Build back better. You have to have something burned down first to create ashes out of which the phoenix can rise again. And this, the great reset says the same thing. What does a reset mean? Well, hmm, okay. Let's say a person has a mental and emotional breakdown and ends up in a psycho ward somewhere. And uh, their their brain has been fried, you know. I mean, they're really just far out there, delusions or whatever. The psychiatrist will say <clears throat> your brain or your life or whatever needs to be reset. Same concept. Something has to be virtually destroyed in order for it to be reset. I don't know what there is left to understand about this, Dave. I can't say it any other way. They are saying exactly what they're going to do. And they're telling you in the same messaging that capitalism, free enterprise, and free market economics is going to be destroyed, period. Hmm. Does, wow. that make, does that make sense? Oh, I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's like, yeah, so this is not a conspiracy. Oh my gosh, of course they're still calling us conspiracy theorists. But you know, the <clears throat> even the rhetoric, rhetoric towards people like us has changed. Now we are being <clears throat> relabeled away from just conspiracy theorists. We are now being labeled as domestic terrorists and threats to national security. 
It's a very subtle change, but it's very pointed. You don't hear as much of the conspiracy theorist language targeting people, you know, the alternative media, but now you hear domestic terrorists or white nationalists or fill in the blanks, right? <clears throat> Getting much more serious than it was before. Well, this is just a compliance uh, strategized labeling, isn't it? It is. It is just labeling. Sure, it's a very a very false label. But um, you know, labeling people is a lot like drugs. You have to keep uh, getting more of it uh, before you get the same high. So when they ran out, when they ran out of. Um, when they ran out of uh, mileage by calling us conspiracy theorists, they had to go the next step to get public attention to say, those are bad people over there, shun them, don't go near them. Conspiracy theorists used to keep people apart, uh, but now that doesn't work anymore. So now, well, it doesn't work because of people like Klaus Schwab just laying out on the table. But now they have to call us something different in order to get people to continue to stay away from us. So they graduated upwards and said, oh, that guy's a terrorist. He's a, he's a threat to national security. He's a domestic terrorist now. Hasn't done anything, hasn't you know, killed anybody, burned anything down, doesn't, you know, doesn't even take his, um, you know, his gun out to the, to the range every day and you know, try and shoot camo targets or something. But he's a terrorist. We know he's a terrorist. He's a domestic threat. And these kinds of charges now are coming against anybody that goes against the, uh, the, the globalist narrative. Hmm. Yeah, it's just a different form. You're, you're just an inconsiderate uh, person who is contributing to the extinction of the planet if you don't go along with this, and that's replacing the conspiracy theorist label. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, that's exactly right. And I, I've heard people even say that those who will not wear a mask are killer, are murderers. Yes. What? Well, that has nothing to do with technocracy. I think it has to do with breaking down of individual sovereignty to accept technocracy. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, that's We're the, on the same whole purpose. That I mean, you look at all this, all of this stuff about global warming and the pandemic. The whole kit and caboodle of it, Dave, is just one big breakdown of society. They have to break down the people and they have to break down the system, and they're doing both at the same time. Wow. Just absolutely amazing. Um, I, I, I'm almost speechless at how complete this task is. But I want to go down to an individual level because you build back better. Let me tell you something I've heard people talk about, and, and I want to get your reaction to it. You live in your home. Your home may even be paid off. But here come the technocrats, and they said, your home is not energy efficient. You're contributing to all the problems that we've identified and if you want to keep your home uh, through, you know, not having to pay fines that'll drive you out or whatever they do to get compliance, you will make these modifications or your property is not yours. Can you address that? And I know I expressed it awkwardly, but, but I halfway know what I'm talking about here. Well, you sure do. And this is exactly how property rights have been stripped away in America. Uh, it hasn't, it, it could not possibly come all at once where where all property is just nationalized, for instance, by the government. Um, 
that would never fly. There'd be instant civil war. Um, <clears throat> but over a period of years, property rights have been stripped away um, by first by dividing property rights into multiple categories. And any given category has been picked off as being subject to government intervention of some sort or another. Um, like, for instance, in, in the case of farmland, um, <clears throat> you might own a farm and you've been raising crops on that for five generations, six generations, it wouldn't matter. And the government comes along and says, well, um, you cannot use that land for development outside of agriculture. Uh, so, in other words, you can't subdivide it, you can't build houses on it, you can't use it for any type of development except for the farming that you're doing. And some farmers accepted this, saying, well, I'm just a farmer anyway, what do I care about property rights? But this, this is the kind of splintering of property rights where they can take one piece away from you, and then you're left with a, with a devalued piece of property. And this has happened not only in agricultural land, it's also happened in, in cities and counties where, where regulations, uh, building regulations, um, um, you know, I'm thinking of the International Building Code has been applied all over our country, um, where if you don't bring your property, like your house, up to some standard that they have artificially imposed on you, then you could be subject to condemnation. Your property could be subject to condemnation. It could be taken away from you, or your taxes could be raised um, to, you know, extorbitant to a level where you'd want to leave, um, or they make you an offer you can't refuse. Whatever, but you know, this chipping away at property rights has been subtle and slow, and the frog in the pot has now almost been boiled to death. Um, hmm. And people are feeling this all over America, I have to say. What are people to do? Well, I'll tell you what, this is about, here we go, back to Citizens for Free Speech again. I firmly believe, Dave, the only solution for our problems today is in local activism. People have got to get out of their house get involved in their civic affairs and quit fighting with Washington, D.C., quit fighting with the state government. They're not going to help. They're, they're no help to anybody either. And get into the local communities and start mixing it up with these woke nutcakes that have infiltrated every community in America. This needs to stop. And the only people that can stop it on a local level are the citizens who live there and they just simply have not done the job so far. That we're, we're just hopping up and down with great urgency saying, people, get busy in your local community and get to work. And uh, our director of training, by the way, has a great saying. Mary Baker has written the book Citizen Ninja Stand Up to Power. <clears throat> Mary says, if you don't have a seat at the table, you are what's on the menu. That's a great saying. Yeah, take your pick. Stay home and stay on the menu, or, or get out and get a seat at the table. And somebody say, well, what seat at the table could I get? Listen, half the board positions in any given community are either appointed or run uh, with no opposition, you know, as, as, as a vote. Mm -hmm. It is so easy to get into a position of influence in a community, whether it be a school board, a water board, a fire board, a, you know, County Planning Commission, advisory committees, that sort of thing. 
it is easy to get into a position of influence in your local community. And just, just imagine, I mean, what could happen, let's say in, uh, in, in any, anywhere, even in, oh, I don't know, say Avondale, for instance, this little town outside on the kind of the west side of Phoenix. If Avondale had 100 people who did what I just said, and they and got into city government legitimately by, by either appointment or by vote, an election, whatever, and they got a seat at the table. Can you imagine what 100 people could do to transform the city of Avondale? I mean, it'd be huge. Just, just 100 people could have a huge difference in a relatively small town in a big metro area. It would send a message up the food chain that would just you know, shake, cause them to shake in their boots. And if enough people, enough communities across America did that, we could turn this thing around and build, build up a local defense that would, could be virtually impenetrable because, you know, binding ordinances in a city are pretty much absolute still. Wow. I, I hear what you're saying, um, kind of taking the old Agenda 21 model about uh, think globally but act locally. Um, yes. And I, and I see what you're saying here. But I'm going to tell you right now, the average person would look at you right now, you're like you're speaking a foreign language. I mean, it, it would take yeah. more. I understand what you're saying, Pat, because I delve into this enough to have a basic understanding. But right. for the average person they're going to be clueless as to what you're saying on first brush. You are absolutely right. And that's why that's one of the reasons that we're providing training for our members and our volunteers to teach them how to communicate again and how to get reinvolved in civic affairs. This is this really is has to be a learned skill at this point because so many skills, communication skills, et cetera, have been lost in society thanks to, you know, all the political rhetoric and this nonsense going on in Washington. Um, people need to be retrained, but there's a lot of people that are willing to be retrained and anxious to get back into civic affairs. So that's why we're, that's why I have Mary Baker uh, brought on as our director of training to actually train our members on, Hey, here's how you are able to be a statesman in your community, uh, to get a foothold, to get a seat at the table, to be able to uh, engage in dialogue with people that you may not agree with or vice versa and get results. And, you know, okay, if that's what it takes, then that's why Citizens for Free Speech is going to do it. Well, well it's an organization that uh, needs um, more, well, shall we say more hype, more publicity. Uh, but in, in the short term, let's talk about when Biden, um, uh, if we can get beyond all the uh, dire predictions, which I don't think are necessarily going to come true, um, and he assumes the oath of office. Um, what can we look for out of the uh, right out of the gates here? What, what will the first, as they say, hundred days look like yeah. with Biden taking away our economic rights? Um, <clears throat> there's going to be uh, massive censorship continue. That's going to be worse than anything I think we've seen today. Uh, the shot across the bow, if nobody else got it, was when President Trump was deleted from Twitter. Yes. President of the United States deleted from Twitter. What? You know, what? Well, um, you're going to see lesser, uh, le no, that's wrong. You're going to see more massive censorship, but of people 
of lesser stature than President Trump. <laughs> so this means across the board that censorship of the populist movement is, is just going to go off the charts. The next thing that's going to happen is massive um, surveillance and massive control of data, of citizen data, to use against the citizens. This is coming in the form of uh, digital passports now for vaccines, for people who've taken vaccines and not taken vaccines, where the government is essentially creating a two-tier caste system in our country that's based on not your color, but it's based on what kind of needle has been stuck in your arm. If you got the vaccine, you get a passport. You can fly on an airplane, you can go into certain stores, you can go into government buildings, whatever. If you don't have a vaccine, uh, screw you, get out of Dodge. <laughs> don't come back. We don't want you here. Kind of the social credit system for public compliance. It really, it really is. Mm -hmm. And one could make uh, all kinds of comparisons to uh, what China has done with the social credit system. They're actually incorporating, by the way, the vaccine passport idea into their social credit system right this second. Um, but, you know, airlines are doing this. There's a new consortium Bill Gates is involved with, with Microsoft to create a universal uh, vaccine passport, uh, maybe added uh, in some countries to your actual, pa your regular travel passport. <laughs> um, this is going to be really draconian. And I, I've, uh, many people, including me, have come to the conclusion we will not fly again. Um, for any purpose. We may take a road trip, but we're not going to be flying again under the current circumstances, period. And um, <clears throat> so we're going to see that transpire. We're going to see probably a, a, a national mask mandate as well. Biden has threatened to do this. I think he will. That doesn't mean everybody's going to obey, and that doesn't mean every state is going to obey, because an executive order is not binding legislation that the states are, you know, must follow. Uh, much less the people. <clears throat> so there's going to be tre a tremendous uh, push to break down society by keeping those those face diapers on. And the only legitimate reason is control. It is the only reason. Yeah, I the agree. The only reason. The science has fallen away. What's left now is just control. And, you know, I, I, I just have to add, historically, ways that have been used to break people down psychologically, in, uh, situations of, uh, you know, torture and uh, prisoners of war and stuff like that, face masks have been used historically to do just that. I know. And it's like, okay, how, how many dots do we have to connect together here to see that there's something really going on here that is, has nothing to do with the science, nothing to do with spreading a virus whatsoever. In fact, the worst places where viruses are, the virus is still spreading uh, are the places that are locked down. <laughs> but hey, have no fear. And in Great Britain now, the National Institute of Health there has very wisely, Dave, said that now, fellow citizens in Great Britain, you must wear a face mask during sex. Yeah, I saw that. Isn't that great? Uh, just a wonderful event. Total dehumanizing. Yeah. To protect ourselves. 
<laughs> hey, Pat, I, I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm almost overwhelmed by some of the things I'm hearing. I'm not surprised, but it's overwhelming the audacity that they think they're going to get people to comply to this nonsense. Um, at what point does the human spirit say enough? I mean, let's just say your group didn't exist. There's no education from the grassroots up. Isn't there an internal mechanism within people where they'll finally say enough is enough? There is. There certainly is. And I think a lot of people are starting to uh, say enough right now. I, you know, our membership, for instance, in Citizens for Free Speech has, uh, gosh, it's, it's been multiplied by a factor of five this year, this last year in 2020. And, you know, we still have thousands of people coming in every month to join with us, Dave. It, this, this demand for free speech in the First Amendment was not there two years ago. But now, you know, I see these people coming in and they're, you know, they send the emails and contact us and stuff. And they're saying, man, we're we're all in. You know, we're, we're desperate now to do something, but we just don't know what to do. Well, we're trying to help them with that, obviously. We want to train them and give them tools where they can go back into their communities and fight this stuff. But uh, there are there are people waking up now in absolute numbers. Are there millions, millions? You know, like we got 350 million people in America. Are there 20 million people out there that are on fire for this? No, in absolute numbers, no, there's not. But I don't, I don't know that we need 20 million people, honestly. And you know, if if we only had 100 or 200 people in each city that were really, really hot to infiltrate their city and, and get back and you know take over some of the dialogue and stuff, we could push this back several, many years, even even decades in a short period of time. In knowing that, um, I would imagine you're facing a lot of censorship yourself. Oh yes, absolutely. <clears throat> Not, you know, you can go to Google and type in the word technocracy, which I basically, uh, I, I don't want to say I, I don't own the keyword, right? But I was one of the very, very first people that ever started writing about technocracy. Yes, you were. Believe yep. first. And you would think that when you type in the word technocracy, that Technocracy News and Trends would be the very first thing that popped up on it, right? And and if you go to bing.com, it is the very first thing that pops up. If you go to DuckDuckGo, it is the very first thing that pops up when you say type in technocracy. But on Google, you don't find any reference to Technocracy News and ten, uh, Trends until page 12. Wow. <laughs> Uh, I've seen I've seen those games played. Uh, a lot of it's been with articles I've written. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, wow. That, I, I, I'm I'm really kind of overwhelmed by how quickly this is coming. Yes. And uh, and this event 201 that uh, Gates did and the World Economic Forum preparation for all this that I've read. Yeah. Uh, it just really tells you the Chinese were in on this, weren't they? Certainly. Yeah. China is the primary exporter of technocracy to the world. People need to get their head around this. I know this is hard because everybody says, oh, China is a communist dictatorship. No, it's not. It's a technocracy. It's been a technocracy for at least 20 years, a pure technocracy, where everything is socially engineered. They are exporting their technology all over the or technocracy all over the planet. They've taken it to South America. They've taken it all over Africa. They got deep, deep hooks into the European Union, and they got deep hooks into us as well. They're the ones exporting it. 
they're the ones that are really pushing it on, on the national stage. And now you have the World Economic Forum, which is all of the big oligarchish type corporations of the world jumping on the same platform. Many of the, some of the, many of those companies actually are based in China. And they have this master plan. China's right at the center of it. You know, even Elon Musk even said that. He said China's the right, the right model to move forward. Well, the reason he says that is because he sees China as being scientifically engineered for economic production. <clears throat> it has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with running the economy, the resource-based economic system. And they're going to use their military to enforce it, I would guess. Is that how you see it as an occupation force? I, you know, that's always there. <clears throat> the, uh, the, the threat of physical force is always there just to let you know that it could happen. Will it happen? I don't know if it's going to be necessary. Um, scientific dictatorship is almost impossible to break free from. And you look at Hong Kong, for instance. Uh, the people in Hong Kong rebelled against um, you know, China's incursion, and their, uh, their citizen resistance was crushed, completely crushed. And the same thing has happened in other countries in Asia as well, where they just were out there. They were able just to crush the resistance, and they were gone. So scientific dictatorship is um, it's very personal, one-on-one. -on -one. It doesn't give people a lot of chance to get together and plan, you know, any type of armed resistance like you had in France during World War II or in uh, even Vietnam against the Vietnam yeah. they started out. The lockdowns. That's why yes. they have the lockdowns. The lockdown separates people. They can't communicate. Uh, they're, they're psychologically discouraged and, and depressed. And these types of people do not make good, quote unquote, soldiers, right? So they'll have no resistance from people who are willingly wearing face diapers. They just won't. Until they take them off and say, I'm not wearing this anymore. <laughs> you guys can't tell me to wear it anymore. Then some people are going to be growing a backbone real quick. But, um, yeah. You know, let me ask you this, and, and, and I know you can't really speak for Ducey, our wonderful traitorous gover governor here in Arizona, but when he came out with the face mask mandates, he clearly put things like, if you have asthma, if you have diabetes, heart conditions, claustrophobia, um, you don't have to wear a face mask, and um, under HIPAA, you don't have to even reveal the reason why you're not wearing a face mask. What happened to that, Pat? Yeah, he just flip-flopped completely. Did he take that out? Was that actually an official action I missed? Uh, subsequent um, uh, mandates, or whatever you call it, subsequent executive orders, simply just didn't include that language. So, you know, it got quickly forgotten. And now, <clears throat> we, in fact, when we have been out, in, uh, out and about in, in Mesa and Scottsdale, Phoenix, Gilbert, whatever, um, People, if people ask us about, not, hey, where's your mask, Buster? Well, we say to people, we have Governor Ducey's exemption. And they look at you like, what are you talking about? I said, well, the governor very clearly said that if you believe that wearing a mask poses a health risk to you, that you don't have to wear a mask. And some people will accept that and say, oh, yeah. Uh, other people will say, we don't give a rip. Put a mask on. In which case I say, see you around, sucker. <laughs> you know, 
I'm out of here. And you ain't getting a nickel of my money. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really true. That's really true. I, 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 let me tell you something I witnessed. A health club owner who was a little bit rebellious against all this nonsense. And there was a health department guy in there. And um, they were saying, you're, all your people don't have face masks on. We're going to shut you down. And they did shut them down for a day. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this lady said, well, I have asthma and I have a governor's exemption. We, we don't give a crap about that. You mm -hmm. can work out in the parking lot. <clears throat> that was what they told her. Yep. How, how can they violate what the governor's already said is in effect? Well, they really can't. But, you know, Dave, this is taking on a life of its own with these corporations. And you see this coming like, how can United Airlines, for instance, require a vaccine passport and deny everybody else and put some people on a no-fly list simply because they don't want to take a vaccine for whatever reason? That's ridiculous. They're, but they're doing it anyway. And companies on a local basis, uh, they, you know, they'll shoot first and ask questions later. They, they have been convinced or maybe bullied or browbeat, whatever, into saying, this is the way life is going to be. You have to obey by these guidelines. And, you know, they think, oh, that must be a law. Well, they, it's, no, it's not a law, but they do it anyway. <clears throat> so companies like Costco now require uh, masks in their store. Um, and, and these are, you know, people that have a contract with Costco because it's a membership organization. If you're a member of Costco, uh, they can never claim that you are trespassing in their store. You have a contract. You are a member. You paid money for access to it, and yet they stand there at the door and, and turn away people who aren't wearing a mask, who are members, and say, well, how can they do that? It's not legal. You're right. It isn't legal, but they're doing it anyway because nobody's challenged them. I don't think the courts, given the complicity of the courts and what I saw, like with the election fraud, there's going to be no courts that are going to buck this system. There has not been yet, and this is so unfortunate. There's so many uh, weasel judges out there who are scared to death to face opposition. Because for many of them, and truly so, for many of them, anybody that would buck the system, uh, you know, a, 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 a constitutional judge who would stand up and start busting some of these people will have intense pressure come on him to cancel his life. And you know that's true. Every, there yeah. will be forces come against him that he never, ever dreamed even existed in society. And the threat is always out there of force. We will come after you. Not the military, the cancel culture. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just, it's mind-boggling. Well, we've got about uh, 30 seconds left here. And again, tell people, and we've got to be brief on this, um, and I'll put it in the description when we post it to the website, but... Um, how can they sign up for your organization? Just go to citizensforfreespeech.org, sign up on the home page. No charge to sign up. We need your name. We need you to stand with us, and that's it. That's fantastic stuff. Well, Pat, um, we're going to get you on the TV show. I'll be in touch with you shortly about that because we need to get this out on all our mediums. And But this is going to run quickly on radio, and it's going to go viral. Thanks so much for joining us. Fantastic presentation, even though it's very distressing. Thanks, Pat. My pleasure. Thank you, Dave. Take care.